0: I'm Ben Jenkins, and you're listening to Mentel, a podcast all about encouraging blokes to talk about their inner worlds, the wins, the challenges, and everything else that's going on. By opening up, we show other blokes that it's safe to do the same, and there are plenty of blokes out there just waiting for another bloke to open the door. So let's pick up the conversation.
1: We live in that environment where when you open up and you you share, blokes sometimes will take the piss and they they sometimes will make light of the the situation. But in this space, you've got a bloke sharing for the first time and he looks up and everyone around the circle is just nodding. Yeah. I've been there before.
0: On this episode, I spoke with Mike Dyson who runs an organisation called Good Blokes Co. Mike's organisation is all about getting men to talk and they're dedicated to helping shape a new generation of men. Through camps and retreats, good blokes co are imparting the knowledge skills and confidence to build stronger connections for men and boys in their community i've been wanting to talk with mike for a while now the work he is doing is of great value and i was super keen to chat to him about how we can all help break the shackles of the restrictive and outdated stereotype of masculinity still prevalent today so without further ado here's mike dyson Mike Dyson, thanks for taking the time to come and chat to us on the Mentel Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. You know, I've been really keen to chat for for a while. I've followed your work for for quite some time and and really admire the work that you do. Do you want to just start us off by giving us some background into the work you do do and and how it is that you came to focus on doing sort of quote-unquote men's work?
1: Yeah, so those are actually some pretty big questions. I could fill a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> I, I guess I, I got interested in men's work because of my own mental health journey and and also that of my my brother. So I, I was an acupuncturist in my in my former life and teaching people about mindfulness and how to keep yourself healthy and and in balance and. I found myself on the uh, on a, on a bed in the emergency department at Fremantle Hospital, thinking I was having a heart attack. Yeah. And the um, doctor leaned over me, young doctor, younger than you know I, I would have thought an emergency medicine doctor would be. And yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Dyson, there, there's nothing wrong with your heart. You have you have anxiety, and I thought, oh my god! I remember feeling this incredible sense of shame that I'd actually fallen into yeah. that hole myself, and and even shame that I was taking up a you know. A quote-unquote valuable uh, hospital bed with my silly old anxiety, which was really interesting. The the head stuff that went around uh, seeing it yeah, as a yeah. as a weakness. And my, my brother, the year beforehand, had had um, checked himself into hospital because he'd come really close to suicide. So it really twigged in me this whole thing that I was quite happy to talk about it afterwards. But why wasn't I having any any proactive conversations about this sort of stuff beforehand? So, yeah, that, that sort of commenced my journey into, into uh, men's work and then rites of passage, the passion being around, you know, let's, let's create those conversations around our well-being, not just mental health, but, you know, physical well-being, our financial well-being, relationship well-being, you know, before those things become a, a problem. So that was really the main motivator that drove me into the space.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, uh, similar to me. And I think, you know, a lot of people have those, those epiphanies when, yeah. when we're kind of faced with our mortality to some degree. I had a similar kind of thing. I had prostate cancer when I was quite young, in my mid-30s. And, you know, that really sort of shaped me in a bit of a different direction. I, I knew I really wanted to start sharing my story to kind of help other blokes in some way. And that was 10 years ago. So it's it's kind of, you know, it's taken its twists and turns. But, you know, now having this podcast, it's it's been really important to have those conversations. What you said there, it just really strikes a chord. At Blokes, we, we really do sometimes see this as a weakness you know we, we we have these struggles you know and that seems to me that that a lot of blokes keep their stuff under wraps because they really don't want to admit that they're not impenetrable.
1: 100% and and I think a lot of that comes from the way we're brought up and you know when I think about the cultural effects on on us as men those things are tiny it's not just one person saying you know come on toughen up it's all those minor little interactions and those tiny little comments that that people make over the course of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, mm-hmm. 70 years of of growing up that that give us that impression that we're actually not supposed to have any uh weakness or, or, or fallibilities. And if we do, certainly don't admit to ha- to having one. And then on that third level, like asking for help, yeah, who on earth would go and do something as as crazy as that? So yeah, the more we can break down um, the the stigma around this this belief that um, you know weakness and, and vulnerability is something that, that men don't have, I, I think it's total rubbish. You know, I sit in circle with men all the time and, and everyone's got a story. Everyone's got something going on. The, the difference is how willing we are to actually you know, talk about it and seek help when we need it.
0: Yeah. So just how important do you think it is for blokes to open up to each other about their inner worlds you know, as, as, as part of this and their, their, their struggles as well as their triumphs?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's huge on a number of levels. Neuroscientists have identified three needs for human connection, according to Vivek Murthy's book, which is called "Together." I think, Surgeon General of the US, like highest-ranking medical officer in in the country, and at the end of his five-year tenure, he decided to write a book on what he thought was the most pressing issue facing the medical system in the US, which is human connection. and And he talks about how we need friendship. Number one, we actually need. People that we can have a laugh with. Number two, we need that common sense of purpose. We need to belong to a group that we feel is driving in in some kind of direction. And thirdly, we actually need an emotional support system. And a lot of us as men, you know, we might have that with our partner, we might have one close mate, but really, how healthy is it to have you know one person that we can rely on? I really think we need three, four, five, or more men that you know, men, women, younger people, older people that we can really connect to when when life gets gets tricky, because we need that support. And and also not just when times are tricky, but you know, who's there to celebrate our wins? Who's there to, to share like, this is what I'm trying to create next year. And this is what I'm really trying to aim for. And this is what kind of father I want to be. And this is where I'm going in my work. Mm-hmm. I just think they're crucial conversations. And, you know, from Vivek Murthy's book as well, he talks about how the effect of loneliness or that feeling of social isolation is as damaging to your heart as 15 ciggies a day
0: yeah right yeah
1: it's a, it's a human need we need it
0: yeah for men though i think that's the thing you know a lot of men have have great mates like they have a best mate you know this is my best mate but quite yep. often we're not having these conversations with our best mates either you know Absolutely. and it seems to me that You know, the the older I get and the more I look into this work, that community is so important. Finding your tribe, finding that group of blokes and... I know that, like, as part of Good Blokes Co, you take men on on retreats. Yep, I've read some of the testimonials on there, which are which are amazing, and you, you get them out of the city and out into nature. Mm. What do you think it is? Is it about that about getting out of the city and getting into nature that that brings these strong results and gets these kind of testimonials? Is it is it simply about changing your environment, or is it is it something different?
1: You're changing your changing environment's a, a hell of a good start. I just want to go back to one other thing you yep. said, talking about having good mates. Yeah, I, th- I think mateship is a really highly valued thing in australia but my, my question is do we have the the depth of mateship mm. that we actually need that's going to prevent us from going into a crisis is actually going to yeah save a, a mate you know you you often hear when when we lose a guy to suicide or when someone even when a bloke leaves his partner long-term partner it's like oh i didn't know something going on well the reason you don't know is because he wasn't talking about yeah, it yeah yeah so yeah creating that conversation is really the thing that i'm i'm super passionate about and Certainly, going down to the bush, you know, our programs, we don't have phones, we don't have alcohol, mm-hmm. which is a bit confronting for some folks. Some yes. um, but when you remove those, those distractions, all you're left with is a crackling campfire, some beautiful trees, and some blokes sitting around a circle. Mm. And I tell you what, three quarters of my work is done. If I can get blokes to show up yeah. interested in this stuff and take their phones off them, well, I don't take their phones off them, yeah. they yeah. voluntarily they- uh, pack away their phones, yeah. but um yeah three quarters of the of the work is done and and it's so much easier to have that kind of a conversation and for some guys I think coming on a retreat like that you get to hide in the the anonymity where where no one kind of knows you no one has expectations of of who you are yeah you know the the long-term goal is that you know blokes go come back from my retreat and then have these conversations with with their mates and feel more comfortable to take it a a level deeper and I, I just see over and over again uh, a bloke sharing for the first time in a circle about a, mm. a struggle or a, or a challenge he's facing and you, you can almost see him bracing for impact yeah because we live in that environment where when you open up and you you share blokes sometimes will take the piss and they they sometimes will make light of the the mm. situation but in this space you've got a bloke sharing for the first time and he looks up and everyone around the circle is just nodding yeah i've been there before which is a really affirming experience you know the Problem shared is a is a problem halved is a, mm-hmm. is totally a, a truth in in my experience for sure.
0: Yeah, it's interesting about humour though as well, isn't it? And Blokes have always done that. You know, you'll find that the class clown is probably the one who's struggling the most. You know, because they've they've <laughs> yeah. they've used humour to really really cover up their their discomfort or their upset.
1: Absolutely, and humour is a really important way in as well. My first goal when when a, a group of men arrives is to is to get them laughing. You know, mm-hmm. once we're laughing, we realise oh, we're actually all human beings here. And then it's about switching gears from, from laughing into, into the more serious stuff around the circle. And it's interesting how some of us tend, well a lot of us, I think, use humour as a way to uh, disperse the, that energy. And I'm, I'm feeling uh, a bit afraid, really. It's, yeah, it's yeah. fear of that vulnerability. And, and humour is a, a common tool that, that people use, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: This might be a real sweeping question, but um, like I often think, you know, where is where is the tipping point going to be in society where where the majority of blokes or the majority of young men can see that it's okay to have these conversations? Mm. You know, what you're doing is incredibly admirable and, and I love it. I, this is exactly what we need more of. Yep. I often sit there and think, you know, how are we going to get this to be something that's going to cause a major shift?
1: Yeah, well I think we need lots of different versions of it. I think we need people doing what I'm doing, getting blokes to, you know, go bush and sit around a fire and talk about the real stuff. We need people doing podcasts where people can think about it more regularly. We need things like Are You OK Day? And people think Are you OK Day is really superficial, but there's info on their website Mm. in terms of how to actually have that conversation. Yeah. We need all of the different bits. We need, you know, people wearing t shirts saying it's it's okay to be vulnerable and like all of those different things are crucial pieces of the puzzle. And I'm sure you're familiar with the man box study that came out of Queensland University of Technology a a couple of years ago. I've
0: heard a little bit about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they found that 67% of young Australian men, 18 to 30 year olds, feel a significant amount of pressure to adhere to that, uh, you know, traditional stereotype of of manhood. So there's still two thirds of young men in Australia feel like they are, you know, supposed to be tough, supposed to be dominant, supposed to be in control, not supposed to be weak, not supposed to show um, vulnerability. So you know, I'd like to think that that 67% is lower than it would have been 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think we're moving in the right direction, but we're, we're certainly not there yet in making these kind of conversations normal. And some spaces are, are much worse than others.
0: Yeah, and it kind of a lot of this stuff kind of starts at home, doesn't it? As well, it's the it's what oh. what we've been modelled, what we've been shown, what we haven't been shown. You know, what kind of family you might have come from. You know, a lot of a lot of young men, you know, it's, families might have split up and, and they don't get to spend as much time with their father. So yeah, it kind of f- feels to me that it really needs to start there, and then you know the, it, it progresses on from there. It gets passed down.
1: Absolutely, like I'm I'm super passionate about fatherhood and father son camps are one of the important pieces that that I. Yeah. I do. I'll do lots of father son camps this year, and and giving men as as fathers a chance to consider, am I setting my boy up for success mm-hmm. in a world that seems to be increasingly asking for boys to have better communication skills, mm-hmm. be better collaborators, uh, be more emotionally intelligent, be more empathetic. It's not just about you know our own well being. It's about preparing our boys for a world that is is desperately wanting this, and and the jobs that won't be replaced by by robots. uh, uh possibly the jobs where, where those human skills are, are yeah. essential. So in, in teaching your son self-awareness and, and awareness of other people, you're not just helping him to have a happy life, you're actually setting him up for success in, mm. in a number
0: of ways. That's a really good point there about how mm. human skills are going to become more and more important totally. once the robots take over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look out. Yeah. On the website, there's a, a statement that says, you know, a better way to bloke. Good blokes go, a yeah. better way to bloke. What does it mean to be a good bloke?
1: <laughs> I love this question because I ask other people this question all the time and it keeps yeah. getting reflected back <laughs> at me. Um, I think a good bloke is someone who's really willing to, uh, to work on themselves, to, to admit that he's not 100% perfect and to have a crack at being the best possible version of himself that he can be. And also I mentioned that I was an acupuncturist. I, mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot about yin and yang and I think good blokes are dependable, um, strong, resilient, reliable, on the one side and on the other side you know caring like a good Mm -hmm. mate know know how to listen know how to be there for a friend and are able to be you know softer and vulnerable and and to ask for help when the need is there Mm -hmm. so to be able to balance that I I think there's a view out there that you know the worry with emotional intelligence and empathy is we're making boys soft. I actually don't think it's a one or the other thing. It's not a zero-sum game. I actually think being more emotionally intelligent can actually make you more dependable and more resilient yeah. and stronger and more able to achieve your goals. Yeah. And actually having that discipline on that one side actually can help you to develop the emotional intelligence and the, and the self-awareness as well. So we need both of those things. So Yeah, yeah. You know, a good bloke is trying to find that balance and and a good bloke is someone who's who's just having a crack it's I don't think it's easy to be a bloke in the modern world. it's mm. confusing and and the pressures upon us are a lot and where we're asked to be breadwinners and we're asked to be soft and and vulnerable as well and you know it's hard to balance those things, but I, I think a good bloke is a bloke who's just having a crack at being the best it can be
0: yeah you're right. there's been some major shifts for blokes and masculinity and the and the expectations on men over the uh the last you know decade or so, yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of blokes are confused And sometimes, you know, blokes will throw up their hands and go Well, I don't know what anyone wants, you know Yeah But I think it, it, what you said there about yin and yang too And sort of masculine and feminine energy I think it's one of the things that I have, you know, really benefited from Is getting a better understanding of that And the fact that it flows yep. through all of us, men included Definitely I don't think men, a lot of men understand that So to have a greater understanding of of those two, you know, energy forces Will stand you in in, in good stead, I think
1: yeah those two ways of being um and uh, you know i think to a degree we we've been denied this this idea that we can hug each other mm. <laughs> and that we can have intimacy and that we can have closeness and and we can have have a rest and you know moving on to the the big topics of the last few weeks with revelations of sexual assault in in parliament house yeah. and and misconduct and and all these kinds of you know horrible things like how are we supposed to guide boys to have beautiful relationships with women if we're denying men this idea that they're, they're allowed to be intimate and soft and gentle yeah. and, and kind? There's an a insult that gets thrown around in schools these days. You, you call someone a simp, S-I-M-P, a simp, if they're being kind to, to women, sort of putting themselves in the friend zone. So if boys are growing up in a culture where you're a simp if you're being nice, how the hell are they supposed to learn how to respect women? Yeah, like, right. That that's a tough gig. That's a tough thing to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I hadn't heard that before. That's confronting. Mm. What do you think it means to raise a good bloke?
1: I guess the same thing. It means to have a crack at mm. at, at doing your best at it. Parenting is a hard thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Parenting, yeah. in my experience, is the hardest thing. Yeah, hardest thing I, I've ever done. And you know, acknowledging that boys are growing up in that in that sort of culture where you know there's an in- intense need to fit in and belong and being tough uh, and, and putting on that mask of masculinity is mm. is a way of fitting in. So whether that's being cool or being tough or being intellectually superior, there's a lot of pressure on boys. So I think our job as, as parents is to really, you know, help boys to identify who they want to be, regardless of what anyone else thinks. If you want to be a, an engineer, be an engineer. If you want to be a professional dancer, be a professional dancer. Yeah. I think it's about helping our boys to understand the the pressures that we feel from outside don't make us who we are and helping our boys to discover who they are themselves. And then, you know, like I said, the big thing at the moment is having those really important conversations, whether it's about respecting women, Mm -hmm. whether it's about mental health, it's teaching boys that you can actually be there for a mate and if you're struggling yourself, you can actually reach out to a mate and you can reach out to me as your dad. That that kind of thing I think is, you know, a a really good place to, to start.
0: Yeah, totally. There's a book by Lewis Howes called "Mask of Masculinity," which is uh, actually a really good book because it's not just about that. He talks about all the masks that that, that men wear, and it's actually it was a, yeah. a a really good book. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. Uh- <laughs> OK, so, yeah, I, to move on to, to talking about consent, because it is the real focus of the national conversation at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, telling women to be cautious, staying alert around guys at parties or to not walk the streets alone at night can't really be the answer anymore. It's, it, it's being mm. shown shown that for sure. And it's mostly women leading these conversations. And my wife and I were just talking about this right before I, I jumped on here to talk to you. Yep. What part of the conversation do you think has been missing um, for this to be really landing for blokes?
1: That's a really good question. And I don't know, I, I think as as humans, we we see what's what's in our own backyard. Mm-hmm. And I think blokes get beaten up for saying, oh, well, I've got a sister, so I understand we should respect women. And, and the prime minister got, got bagged yeah. out and potentially rightly so for asking his wife's opinion. But, yeah. you know, I think the fact is, if if we don't have a lot of relationships with women, if we're not hearing the stories of women, then then we're never going to know. So, I think the big piece is that men need to hear these stories uh, from women, and I think that's what we're hearing over, since the Me Too yeah. movement, and, and since then we're seeing a lot of women standing up and saying this is actually what's happening in the world. And I'm seeing a lot of men who are who are saying I'm not okay with this. Yeah, I'm yeah. seeing seeing a lot of men who are ready to have this conversation, but how do we have this conversation? You know, on the mind site or around the water cooler in a you know really sort of hyper masculine competitive environment where where are the places that we can actually sit down and talk about how we need to be a, as men to make women feel safer to make women feel respected to make women feel equal I, th- I think there's a lot of conversations that need to be to be had on the on the side of, of us as, as men and, and also parents of boys uh, fathers of boys yeah. and, and mothers of boys we need to be conscious of of the conversations we're having boys and, and helping boys to to realize what it's like to be a girl and what it's like to be a woman and, and just letting them see that other side of the, the equation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you must have had some of these conversations already, I'm mm. assuming, with some of the young yep. men you work with. What what are they yep. s- said on this? What what are the kind of things that they're that they're bringing up?
1: I just came off my most recent Good Blokes Retreat over the weekend and we, we went straight into that topic because mm-hmm. it's obviously in the air. And one of the things that men are telling me is that they're, they're confused and they, they don't have the right answer and they're just trying to do the – best they can and 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 sometimes some of those men sometimes feel attacked and Mm. and some of those men are just trying to do do the best they can and certainly by the time we're going home there's a bunch of those men who are are ready to go home to their workplace and have more of a conversation with with that guy who's obviously doing the wrong thing and boys it's a really interesting one i i often ask boys at the end of a um a conversation around around sex and relationships the the question i ask is how how do you want the other person to feel? Next time you have sex, next time you have an intimate relationship with someone, how do you want that person to feel afterwards? A lot of them will sit back and go, wow, because a bunch of them have never considered that question. Yeah, yeah. We, we frame consent as as how can I get what I want without getting into trouble? And it's like, is, is that going to get you the best possible relationship? Why don't we frame consent around how can I get both of us having an amazing time? Yeah, yeah. You know, the boys that have considered that question, they say to me, you know, I want her to feel safe. I want her to feel respected. I want her to have a good time. I, w- I want her to come back for more is, it, is a really yeah. common one that, that boys say, yeah, which yeah. I think is great. And, and the first thing you could do is consider like, what do I want and what do you want and what do we want to create together where we're both getting what we want, moving away from this yeah. whole idea that we're out to score and we're out to rack up as many yeah, sexual yeah. encounters as we, as we possibly can yeah. because I think the, the mo- richest and most rewarding experiences are where everyone's, everyone's winning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really resonates with me a little bit. And it's great to hear that, that young men are already having conversations and, and giving those responses. Like you said, the respectful mm. responses, because, yeah, when I was younger, it what probably was a little bit more about, you know, just scoring, uh, you know, and, yeah. and talking to your mates about it.
1: I think that's the culture where they live in still, that, that it's about... You know that that need to fit in, proving proving ourselves as as strong and tough and dependable and 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 worthy. And part of that is is being attractive to women and and being able to score. And certainly, the idea of being gay doesn't fit into that idea yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. Which opens up a whole other uh, can of worms. That regardless of your sexuality, I'm not convinced we're really supporting boys to understand consent and to understand mm-hmm. how to have really beautiful, great, rich. Uh, rewarding respectful relationships with women whether that's sexual relationships or workplace relationships or any of those kind of relationships yeah yeah boys need a bunch of conversations on that and they're awkward conversations to have but i think we need to carve out spaces where those those conversations can become less less awkward and less difficult
0: yeah, absolutely. And again, it's like, you know, what we're, we're talking about here is starting earlier and earlier in, in all of this, um, in all of these conversations. And yep. I remember seeing uh, Yumi Steins on TV the other night and she was talking about how young is, is too young to start talking about consent. And she said, well, yep. there, there is no age there. You know, she was talking about having kids that were, you know, under five who, uh, you know, you talk about tickling, you know, and, and, if, yep. and if they're getting tickled and then they, they want to stop, that's it. That's it. I don't consent to you doing this to me anymore. So
1: it's a skill that we can practice from a from a really young age, and in, in, in smaller sort of contexts. And and I agree with you. Like start start early and and talk often. And consent is about you know, do you want a hug? Are, are you okay to kiss grandma? Mm. Um, is it is it okay to force a young person to to kiss a relative? That they don't necessarily feel safe around. What yeah, yeah. what is that doing for them? You know, what is that teaching them? We I think we can teach them to have respect and manners, mm. but also to respect where they're where they're at themselves at, at the same time.
0: Yeah, and that's again, that's the you know, it's older generations. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way we'll do it. This is the only way I know how to do it. So
1: yeah, and let's respect those older generations as well. Mm. I, I like I think older older men sometimes get left out of the equation, and they and they feel really really confused and 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 you know, not valued as, as human beings. Like Mm. this is the way I've always done it. This is, this is important. And it's like, well, I value your experience, and I value this grandkid who doesn't want to kiss you as well. What's what's the win win here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and when I think granddad uh, understands that that granddaughter doesn't want to be tickled, she actually doesn't like that. Uh, let's find a way we can have fun together because I think what granddad's seeking there is is fun and to build yeah. a relationship with a, with a younger person. And yeah. and let's let's do that same thing. Let's make that a win win as well.
0: Absolutely. I saw someone speak the other day, a woman by the name of Namila Benson, we were having a discussion as part of a, a sort of a work uh, situation, and we talked about a lot of subjects, but the theme that consistently came up throughout was when we're having these conversations, whether it be about mental health, whether it be about being a better bloke, whether it be about diversity, whatever it may be, whether it may be about consent, mm. it's all about leaning into the discomfort. When having these yeah. conversations that have you out of your comfort zone, yeah, I immediately thought about the conversations that we have here on this podcast. Do you think that rings true in the work that you do? Obviously, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Or is it just a bit too simple to say lean into the into your discomfort? But it seems to me like it's it's a, it's it's a kind of core thing we can hold to sort of support what we're looking to achieve.
1: I think we absolutely need to lean into the discomfort. Uh, I think there's a lot of difficult stuff that we need to be talking about. If we want women to feel safer and more respected, we have to be able to explore the, the ways that we may be somehow contributing to this situation. Because if it's such a widespread problem, then then surely we all have some piece to play in this puzzle. And and even around men's mental health issue, issues as well. It's like, how can we each you know, in those tiny little things that we say and do around other blokes who may may or may not be struggling. The big thing I often ask is if one in five or one in six men will have a mental health condition uh, in the next 12 months, which one of your mates will it be? And if if you think over the last 12 months, which one of your mates had a mental health problem in the last 12 months? Are we even noticing when that's happening? So we need to lean into the discomfort of those questions as Mm -hmm. well. And the Mm -hmm. other thing I think we need to do, is find ways to to make that discomfort less, and that's your earlier question about going out in the trees and sitting around a campfire. Yeah, it can make those conversations easier, and and gathering in a, in a group of men can make that conversation easier as well. Yeah, I often talk about how to talk to your your boys, and and the idea around you know sharing my own story first. You know, opening up that vulnerability makes it easier for them to then be be vulnerable and and you know, asking about other guys, how are other guys going with these, these kind of topics in in your world. And that makes it easier for them to sort of start to open up and go, this is what's happening at school, rather than saying, oh, you, you've asked me to, you know, share my own perspective on this deeply vulnerable thing. No, yeah. thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, l- definitely leaning into the discomfort, but also I think finding ways to make it less uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. You know, there are so many things in society these days that are there to ease discomfort, you know, or to Mm. escape Mm. negative emotions or feeling negative things, you know, social media, porn, video games. All of these yep. things are there to yep. go oh shit this I don't feel too good right now okay I'll just come back to that I'll just go over here and do something that's going to trigger some dopamine in my brain yeah. you know it's just it's too easy to kind of to drop everything and go no okay I'm over here
1: it's very easy in this modern yeah. world yeah
0: do you think it's it's one of the big barriers to getting men to talk about you, you know they're in a world T- talking about it out of a context of having a group of men because obviously when when you're in a group they they're kind of being held to a degree and they they've got a space to to feel comfortable to do that but when they're out on their own and and they're this is probably even the step before they start to consider actually joining a men's group or something like yeah.
1: that it's definitely easy to just coast along in the uh, in the uh, surrounded by the comforts that we that we have around us one of the guys at the end of the retreat yesterday said to me, this was simultaneously the weirdest thing I've ever done <laughs> and also the most natural thing that I've ever
0: yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That says it all right there, doesn't
1: it? How did we lose this, this idea of sitting around a fire and, and just talking about what's actually really properly mm. going on? How has it become so weird? Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah look I think it's odd the idea of going to a men's retreat and going out of the bush and talking about masculinity it's it's you know it appeals vaguely to some men but a lot of men are like no way I would I would consider doing that so look my hat's off to the to the 18 men I had come on my retreat this weekend because there's a there's a significant amount of bravery and, and courage and like you said getting out of our our comfortable homes with our comfortable pillows and our our um, 5G internet and (laughs) all of all of these things and Uber Eats delivered to our to our front door I think you know the more of us as men that are willing to get out of our comfort zone and and ask uh, women how is this for you what's your story here and ask men where are you at with it what what are you trying to do in 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 your family in your community to make a safer world for for all of us uh, I think the more men that are willing to do that, the the more we've got chance of, like you said, uh, mm-hmm. getting past that fulcrum point where it becomes okay to talk about this stuff.
0: Yeah, here. here. Just talking about, uh, you know, having the uh, eighteen blokes you had out on the retreat. Can you give us an idea yeah. of what that is? It a two day two day retreat? Is that what it?
1: It's a three day retreat. So Friday lunch to Sunday Sunday lunch. We do.
0: Okay, cool. Can you give us an idea of what that three days is like?
1: This one was a really interesting one. The, the, this group were incredibly willing to get right into the heart of it mm-hmm. very early on in the in the piece. So, look, I don't want to spend a whole weekend forty eight hours, uh, you know, sitting around talking about stuff. Yeah. So we go through a walk through the bush. We do some fun fun games and, and getting to know each other. We share meals in small groups and these sort of things. We have discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have conversations. You know, I present a bit of content and sort of information around masculinity. And then each night we sit around the fire and, and, and share some stories. So, you know, the interesting thing for me is my, my retreats are really carefully planned out to make blokes feel comfortable to, you know, hopefully by the, by the evening on the Friday night to, to really go there and talk about what they're struggling with. The interesting thing for this group is that they went there at two o'clock on the Friday afternoon. Yeah, right. They'd yeah. been there for two hours and they went straight in, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which really blew me away. I haven't had that before and I don't know whether that's a, a sign of the times I don't know whether this, that was this particular group but I'm, I'm just seeing a real mm. a real readiness Purpose of, driven. of men to have that conversation mm. yeah for sure
0: how important do you think accountability is in that setting to to want to make those shifts and make those changes and open up
1: accountability I think is is massive we, we talk about accountability a lot and and how to how to hold up a mate and how to, how to call out a mate when, he, when he's out of line. Mm-hmm. The big thing is we, we need first, if we're going to hold each, make each other accountable, I think we need to know who we want to be. If I'm clear on, on what my mate is striving for and what kind of man my mate wants to be, mm-hmm. it's much easier for me to hold him to account to that rather than some vague idea of who I think he should be. So on our retreat, we, we as men have a, have a chance to think about what impact we want to have in our community and what kind of man we need to be to do that. Mm-hmm. And then we, we make a commitment at the end of the retreat and we, we set up a, a buddy system of accountability, like who yeah. would you like to support you? Who's willing to support this man? And they'll set up a, a network that will carry on. My last retreat in, in August, I, I spoke to one of the guys a couple of weeks ago. He said he's met up with his, his accountability buddy over the phone. Every week wow. since August. Excellent. So that's what are we now, March. So, you know, six, six, seven months down the track, they've now developed this new different kind of mateship, not the kind of mateship where they're sinking beers and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. watching the Dockers have a massive win on uh, Sunday. <laughs> um, <laughs> go Frio, yeah. Um But the kind of mateship where they're actually holding each other to supporting each other to be the kind of man that they want to, that they want to be. And I think without that... It's it's difficult for us to create any kind of lasting change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know you're in uh, WA there. You've just you've just you've just shown us your colours. I've just outed myself as a <laughs> passionate Fremantle Dockers yeah, ab- supporter. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's a, a lot of amazing blokes doing great men's work over that way. And, and yeah. I don't know if it's just an air that some some blokes I've stumbled upon over there who I've connected with, or what it is, but it really does feel like in WA there's a lot of great men doing. Great work over there for, for other yeah. men. Do you have plans to expand this work more broadly, or, or are you already doing that around the country?
1: Yeah, well, I do bits and pieces in in different different places and via different institutions. I, I have worked in small amounts by schools in Sydney and schools in Melbourne and uh, with the Rights of Passage Institute in in Northern New South Wales. Mm-hmm. I was just actually thinking on the way home from the retreat about uh, some of my friends in Melbourne who'd, who'd thoroughly enjoyed this uh, this experience. So absolutely,
0: bring it here. Bring um, it here. I'm I'm in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you're a Melbourne bloke or a, or a Sydney bloke, feel free to hassle me out on the, uh, on the social media. The, the, more, the more noise people are making, the more likely I am. Yeah. But the, the Good Blokes Retreat is a really simple model. I could do that anywhere in the world, really. Uh, so as long as there's, as there's an audience there who's, who's interested in it, it's not that hard for me to actually come over and, and run yeah. that. I've talked to a couple of um, corporate groups recently, the WA Police potentially mm-hmm. doing something with them in, in the near future, which is a yeah really great, a really yeah, masculine yeah. environment. And yeah. one police officer um, who, who found the retreat this weekend, really powerful, started talking about taking it into his, into his workplace. So it's a, it's a relatively Fantastic. simple model that, that I can drop into to different kind of places. So, yeah, certain, certainly the plan is to make it more, more widely available yeah, I'm kind of overwhelmed. There's more demand than I have supply for yeah, <laughs> at the moment, yeah. so that's a a problem to fix. But uh, yeah, ho- hopefully, um, taking it to blokes all around Australia would be would be amazing.
0: That's great to hear. Finally, Mike, we ask every guest uh, that comes on the podcast the same question, and that is, if our listeners could do one thing today to improve their mental health, what would that be?
1: Well, the, the obvious thing that comes to me is is have a conversation and. And that conversation is usually in the form of an are you okay type of conversation. And and sometimes we will usually we look at that as an idea to check in with someone who might be struggling. What we forget is it's usually incredibly beneficial for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me that's that's the big thing is I you know, the heart of my work is around having better conversations around Around mental health, and and I just implore your listeners to be the change. Yeah. Like I I, I say this a lot. I think we can be the generation that started talking about this yeah, sort
0: of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if there's one thing you can do, have a conversation. Maybe it's maybe it's with someone who you think is doing really well. Maybe it's not with someone who you think's really struggling. Maybe that's an easier way in. But but if we can all get better at having the conversation, I think that's a really good place to start.
0: Fantastic. And and you're absolutely right. Sometimes you can you can have a conversation with someone that you know that you know very well and and not know that they have been struggling for the last, you know, struggling incredibly for the last twenty four or forty eight hours. So absolutely. Having a conversation is that icebreaker that can really make a difference in someone's life. Absolutely. Mike Dyson, thank you so much for for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it.
1: Thanks for having me. You probably noticed it's my favourite thing to talk about.
0: Absolutely. You're a passionate (laughs) man. Thank you again, mate. Cheers no worries oh man I love that chat I really do admire the work that Mike is doing with Good Blokes Co and it was great to finally meet him if you want to find out more about all that Good Blokes Co has to offer then head to goodblokes.co that's goodblokes.co or check them out on Instagram at goodblokes.co and you can see what they've been up to cheers until next time Mental is an In Your Ears podcast presented and produced by Ben Jenkins produced and edited by Charles Amsden with opening music by Nick Kingswell and closing music by Night Radio For more information on this and other podcasts check out the In Your Ears podcast's Facebook page If you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe and spread the word and if you or anyone you know needs help Call Lifeline on 131114.